following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. There's been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. <laughs> Getting close to the weekly edition of the Intentional Foul because football is upon us. Right now we're still at the bi-weekly because softball's wrapping up, umpiring's wrapping up, high school football has starting this week with our first game. So once the front end of the week opens up, we'll be back with uh, an every week breakdown of some NFL stuff. We're going to have a, a fun last month and a half of the Brewers season, hopefully. Um, we got some NBA news coming, and uh, and we'll touch on a little high school stuff as well. Uh, we're up against the clock because I have my first coach interview uh, after this podcast. We're gonna see uh, we're, we're gonna see what Coach Krieger says about his Parker Vikings as they travel to Waukesha South to take on the Blackshirts. In all of our high school exploits, when I've ever heard about Waukesha athletics, it's either North. Or Catholic Memorial. I don't think I even heard of Waukesha South until like three years ago when Parker played them. Well, West, when when we were in high school, Waukesha West, West and South were the good basketball. Schools. Really? Yeah. So South has been good at athletics. You remember Julian Swartz played yes. for the Badgers. That's where he, he went. went to South. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, the the football team has struggled, but as we were just talking off air uh, before we started this. They're in a good. They're in a really good conference. Yeah, the Classic Eight's a good league. No, a of, always a good football league. Yep, a lot of good teams. They they got a couple of good baseball teams as well. So you just grow them a little bit bigger over there, like McGuanago and Kettle Moraine and Waukesha Catholic. Oh, always and, good athletes. Yeah, they're just big dudes. So we'll see what happens with the Vikings in the black shirts coming up on uh, Friday night. That's the game that we're covering for the radio station. But uh, so you're bored. Yeah, nothing going on. Not much, man. Nothing to watch. Kind of in the to, well, it's a little bit of the dead zone for sports. And, yeah. I mean, it's you're waiting for that last month of baseball to get here. There's no basketball. Olympics are over. Preseason football, but it's like you know, even yeah. when you watch that, it's like I'm not watching much. Um, yeah, I, I'm just I'm kind of ready for everything to get ramped up again. It feels right. like it feels like five years since we called a basketball game. It's I don't true. I don't know why that is, but it feels like for. Ever ago. I was going to ask you if you're ready for me to start putting together the schedule, even though it's not even the end of August. Yeah, it'll give me something to do. (laughs) All right. Well, we can start. I I didn't watch more than maybe a quarter of the Packers and the Texans. Um, I know they lost. I know Jordan Love got his words dinged up uh, at the end of the first half. They were going to play him through the end of the third quarter and then have Bankert mop up, but he didn't play the second half. For all uh, intents and purposes, the coaching staff was pretty happy with his um, debut, I guess, first time he'd seen competitive football in a game situation since the Senior Bowl before he was drafted. Um, a little, and LaFleur obviously said he's got some things to work on. He did a couple of things that were glaring um, errors that you know they can easily correct. But, I, I mean, I didn't see anything that from him that I looked at and I saw, well, this guy's going to be terrible. But I also didn't see anything where like, we got a we got a really good guy on our hands. Well, what he had a fumble, I think, uh, like a strip, strip, sack, strip sack, something that's, like that. That's where he got hurt. Yeah, um, he had the you know he had the one nice drive, uh, made a couple nice throws. I saw, and then yeah. he had you know he had some three and outs. I <laughs> I actually think him getting uh, hurt was beneficial to him Monday because we didn't have to listen to the either. Oh. The, the guy that's going to fawn all over yes, him or the or guy that's going to tell you that he's he, done, that he, he shit? Yeah. Because he got hurt a little bit, it kind of gave him a little bit of a grace period now sure. where um, nobody was jumping one way or the other. I mean, and, and we'll get into it with the Bears. These guys, it's so new. They're, they're, running, they're running remedial offense. Yeah, basic they're, they're, stuff. They're playing remedial defense. Yes. Um, so I, I don't know one way or the other. If he'd have been horrible or if he'd have thrown three touchdowns in the first quarter, 
I don't know what you make of it. Well, not only are are the schemes not what they need to be, and and they even won't be at the end of the preseason of your third game or four games, however many you're going to play, because um, I think the Cowboys are playing for because they played in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. game. Um, but you're not playing against first-tier guys anyway. No, especially, the not, had, especially the first game. Packers had 30 healthy scratches. Right. For the nobody's putting out their first team offenses and defenses for these games, right. so I mean you can't you 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 can't make judgments. But these guys need fodder to talk about. Well, and the Packers need to see him play in a real game. I mean, they've right. never seen him play in a real game before, so there's there's obviously value there. But you know, I, obviously there's there's good things and bad things. I mean, the fact that he didn't come off as a disaster. I mean, everybody knows he's not ready because if he was ready. He'd probably be the starter if he was truly, truly ready. Right. If if management was ready to be done, yeah, he, they would he, have been he done. would be in that spot. So obviously they don't think he's ready yet, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I, you know, the Texans are going to be awful. But again, does that matter in Week One of preseason? Probably not. No, no, it probably doesn't. not. No. So, so I, I'm not. I mean, were there was there much that came out of the game other than him? Was there anybody else that got knocked around and got dinged up? I don't rem- I, I don't think there were too many injuries. There were a couple of guys which I read about um, that specifically on defense. That given Joe Barry and what he's doing, Oren Burks. I I can't remember what round pick that he was. I think it was a third or a fourth round, and I think he was he's from Vanderbilt. But it's been so long. He's been worthless on defense since the day he's been drafted. He's been injured. He has gotten in, not done a good job. He drew rave reviews from pretty much everybody, the coaching staff, the people who are covering the game. He excelled in that game. And again, it's preseason. It's not against first-tier guys, but he he tore it up. He did what he was supposed to do. He made plays, and people are now saying that, wow, maybe this new defensive coordinator and Barry, with what he's going to do, maybe we can find a spot for him. Um, and I can't remember who the other name was that they said, but it, it was somebody who's not going to be a gigantic contributor by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but no, no, nobody that I saw. I mean, the, the 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 punt coverage and the punt teams return, they were both garbage. I I read, and special teams has been a problem. They got a new special teams guy, so uh, it's. You know, I don't know what they're going to do on that. I don't understand how you how you can't find good guys to have special teams breakdowns so often. Um, I, I I guess I just don't understand that. Um, I, I'd have to talk to somebody who coaches that position to learn more about sure. why what you're doing is failing and how you can't even be average. Um, so I don't know. Um, but we'll see about the Jets. They got, you know, joint practices today. I heard there was a lot of pass, pass rush. The Wilson kid would have been, air quotes, sacked seven times. So Barry dialed up some pressure. Again, remedial stuff. They have another joint practice on Thursday, and then they're going to play on Saturday. So I'll be curious to see what who plays that was scratched on Saturday and now who's going to play this weekend. And Love is questionable at this point. It doesn't sound like it. I mean, he was held out of practice. They brought back this Dola Gala guy who they cut loose just before camp training camp, which I was thinking about it. I mean, you're a quarterback who's looking for a job and they already cut you loose and you know that their second-tier guy is out and the third-string quarterback spot is pretty much wrapped up and they call you just to fill a roster spot and play a couple of snaps and you know at the end of it you're just going to get another pink slip. Maybe, I guess, in your mind, you're hoping you can do enough for it so another team can find you yep. and get you a third-string job or a practice squad job or whatever. But I, I, being in that position, to me, would be, be, be rough. Of, yeah. It would suck, yeah. Like, hey, I know we cut you loose, but we need a guy. And we're only going to need a guy for two oh, weeks. Yeah, right. So right. do you want to come back and play? I mean, but, hey, it's the NFL. I suppose you take what you can get. Well, and I saw that... Um they they made some roster moves. I saw they they released uh, former Badger John Dietzen. John Dietzen, undrafted guy, had retired, came back, played, started all the games for Wisconsin, suited up, didn't even play and against then, against Houston. And then and, they made a trade. Yeah, they sent Josh Jackson to the Giants for 
Uh, some dude who's already been traded twice, um, and now he's going to get a, a job. Jackson was not take, good. Take, that, that's a, that's the old take my junk and give me back your junk. Pretty much. Let's just see if a different uniform will help these guys. Exactly. Because wasn't Jackson, a, was he a first-rounder? No, or? he was uh, He was 45th or so 48th rounder. overall. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah, but I Still mean. Still a decently, what I you were expecting him to be a for guy sure. that was going to play for you for Four or five years. And what I remembered reading about him right from the get-go is people said that his reaction time and his speed, when compared to everybody else, was just so slow hmm. and slow pl- slow and plodding that he never seemed to really get up to the speed of the game that was necessary in the NFL. So, God, Kevin you'd King... Think, you'd think you'd see that in when you're scouting him. I would think. But... I don't, maybe once guys step on about every, with every, with all the other NFL players, and it's like, holy shit. Yeah. Um... But they had Kevin King still injured, so they had Eric Stokes to, to today in practice starting opposite the rookie, starting opposite Alexander. Um, they're throwing him to the fire. I'm reading a lot about that. They're putting him on Devontae Adams, and he is getting schooled mm-hmm. in practice. And the coaches are just trying to tell him, dude, you're going up against one of the best in the league. We understand that this is going to happen. It's going to pay off. Stick with it. Right. So that's hopefully a good learning tool for them um, because those are going to be their top two guys here within the next year or two. So, that's all I got on the pack. Right. I mean, really. I mean, they're, they're yeah, there's about not the, a lot first week of preseason. I mean, they're talking about the third running back job and who's looking good behind Jones and Dylan. Those and, are all the things that you, you hope that whoever that is, you don't have to hear about him during the season. Exactly. Because if you are, it means something bad happened to Aaron Jones. You know? I mean, you know, some of these guys that cover the team, it's so-and-so's having the best camp that they've ever had, and I... That doesn't no. That that doesn't do anything for me until the Sundays are when they strap them on. It's for like real. it's like a four A guy batting three eighty in spring training. Cool, right? Who's he facing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, did you watch any of the Bears? I mean, I saw saw Fields did ran for one, threw for one, had a good passer rating, and then immediately Nagy says, "Yeah, that doesn't matter what happens in the preseason. Dalton's our guy week one." I watched like a quarter and a half. Um, Because I wanted to watch Fields a little bit. Um, You know, same thing as Love. It's just, you know, uh, there there was some impressive moments. Um, There were some moments when he looked like a rookie, and I don't really know what I take from that because I don't know how much the Dolphins were really showing, and and I don't know how many of their starters were really playing. So it's hard to say. The, The one takeaway from watching Fields that I think is... You know, it's undeniable. Is he's a phenomenal athlete. So, you know, whether or not he's going to be able to read NFL defenses and make all the throws, that remains to be seen. But his ability to get out of trouble, that was nice to see. Um, you know, Trubisky had that a little bit, but, you know, I think Fields, especially playing in that Ohio State system where, like, they don't really give a shit if the quarterback takes off and runs. Um, I think that might be beneficial, especially early on in his career, because I I think the Bears are going to be – I think the Bears are going to struggle this year pretty good. Um, You know, their defense – they got a new defensive coordinator. They traded away Kyle Fuller. Um, You know, um, they're relying on some older guys in Hicks and Mack and – Robert Quinn, they they picked Alec Ogletree up off of the scrap heap. He's an older guy. So, you know, they've got some guys that have the potential to make your defense good, but I'm not confident that these guys are all going to be able to play a, now a 17-game regular season um, in a division where you're going to have to face Rodgers twice. You're going to have to face um, the Vikings twice. And, yeah, you can say what you want about Cousins, but Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook are big, big, big-time offensive players. So um, we'll see. Unfortunately, the Bears have already got bitten by the injury bug. I mean, I think Montgomery, I think he ran one time and limped off the field and never played again the other day. Um, I Hopefully it's just a precaution thing. It's nothing serious. I think it was an ankle. Um, but you never like to see that. Uh, their second-round pick uh, out of Oklahoma State offensive lineman Tevin Jenkins, he's already – he has not practiced yet. Then it was announced today he's going to have back surgery. They said they hope to have him back this season. I'm not I'm not envisioning him playing at all. That's the dude they wanted to step in at left tackle and start. Well, 
there's a reason they got him in the second round. He was a first-round talent. The reason he dropped to them was his injury. Everybody knew he had a bad back, um, and it's already flared up on him, and we haven't even played any games yet. So that is, that's bad. Um, so, yeah, now you're already shuffling your old line before anything has even started. They, I just, I saw they just signed, what is it, Jason Peters? Yeah, he's your age. Yeah, he's old as shit. <laughs> I think he For played offensive I, lineman, he, yes. Long-time old lineman on the Eagles. I think he was there playing with McNabb. <laughs> so, I mean, that kind of tells you where. I mean, where, he's good. He's he's he's, a, to, he's probably a Hall of Famer. He's he's been to I think nine Pro Bowls yeah. and seven of them were with a the Eagles. Great player, but he's thirty nine years old. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, he he was graduating high school when Fields was born. I mean, put it put it in that yeah, perspective. That's right. But um, but all of those things being said, this is why you can't start Fields right now. Let Dalton take the beating. Because even with a good line, Dalton's going to get hurt anyway because he always gets hurt. Especially the last few years as he's gotten older, he just gets banged up. And, you know, at some point, I think Fields is going to play. I know they've been saying they want to do the Mahomes-Alex Smith thing, but what people fail to forget was that Chiefs team was really good anyway. They were a 12-win team with Alex Smith. So you could... Be like, we don't need Mahomes right now. We're fine here. You know, if the Bears are one and four, two and four, and Dalton's beat up, there might be some external pressure to play Fields. We'll we'll have to wait and see. But I think Wilbon said week three. I, I again, I, I think it's the same thing with Love though. He's not ready, you know. And I know Fields came out and said that he thought the tempo was kind of slow. Slower than what he thought, really. And he said, maybe. And he said, maybe that's because of I'm going against our first team defense, and maybe they're better than Miami. I, you know, whatever. And I know there were some, you know, talking heads that took some took umbrage with him saying that. We're like, oh, well, you just wait and see. And it's like, well, I don't think the kid was saying that you guys all suck. No, if you're over preparing and expecting the, you know the A plus stuff and you find out that it's at a A minus or a B plus. It's not insulting. Oh, look, that happens to a lot of guys. It's it's glad that he over prepared and yeah, overthought it. So that sure. when you get there you're you're a little bit more at ease with the whole thing. Yeah. So you know, I, I'm I'm optimistic about fields going forward. I mean, because there's no reason not to be I'm pessimistic about the rest of the roster <laughs> right now because it it didn't look great, and they're already banged up. So yeah. they they got the Bills on Sunday, the Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky return oh game, God. and he'll play a ton, right? Because they're not going to play Josh he, Allen he's that not much. Starting, right? Um, so, and you know, this is where this is where sports fans kind of suck because he's going to just get his ass booed, and I get it. But what did he? What did he do? Nothing. He 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 did. He handled he did, everything. He did his best. Yep. He was a good soldier. He didn't bitch. Um, he gave you what he had. He just didn't have enough. He didn't draft himself number two. Right. So. Right. All right. Um, there's some other. Uh, you watched uh, some some more preseason football. This is very undue of you. Well, again, bored. <laughs> very 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 bored right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I flicked around. You know, the Jags were playing, so I wanted to check out Lawrence. The Jets were on, so I wanted to check Wilson. Uh, saw a little bit of Trey Lance with the Niners. Um, kind of the same takeaway as what we've talked about with the the Packer and Bear young guys. Some nice moments. I think Trey Lance's like first pass was an eighty yard touchdown, bomb, yeah. and then the rest of the game he was like three for fifteen. So yeah, they're obviously these guys are very very talented. But, you know, everybody's got to slow down, take a little step back, let these guys kind of ingratiate themselves in pro football. Right. You know, talk to me in week four or five. Let these guys get a few games under their belt. I don't think Trey Lance is going to start. I don't think Fields is going to start. Um, Lawrence will. Just Wilson say, will. Yeah. Um, I mean, how Matt, many Mac Jones with Cam, who knows? But Cam will probably get hurt. He probably will. He's he's like Dalton. He just always throughout the year he's going to miss a couple games because these guys get banged up. So it just is what it is. Um, in Dallas, 
Dak Prescott's now got a shoulder problem, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Because we're rehabbing from an ankle, and I, I, an, I, an, I an impingement. Is whatever, that what it whatever is? That sure. Is, you know. So I so I read that the other day is that both McCarthy and both the Joneses wanted Dak to get some work in, but if he doesn't play this week, then they're going to use their last preseason game for total evaluation to the bottom of the roster to see who they're going to fill out the fifty three with. So. If they don't get him this week, he's going to get no preseason work after missing all most of the last season with that ankle thing. So he's going to go in with no having not played since like week four of last season right. or something. You know, and is is that worrisome for? Well, he's been kind of bitching about it. Like he wants he wants to, to get out he there. He wants to get out there, and they're kind of holding him back. So. I get it. He's your, you just paid him all that money. That's what I was just going to say. Don't you have him in a bubble at this point? You would think. I mean, as long as his foot. Is better. I mean, you know, it doesn't sound like there's any structural damage in his shoulder. It's just like some soreness. So right. I don't know. Um, Jamal Adams got paid four Ooh. years, seventy million dollars yeah. for a safety, highest you know, paid safety in the NFL. I don't know how much is guaranteed because that's the only number that really matters. But yeah, he had been he had been clamoring for a big deal. So you know, Seattle. They've done well with the the high paid D back in the past. In the past, You're right? We'll okay. Um, I'm sure Russ would have loved to have seen spend that, that spent on maybe like a running back or somebody <laughs> or a tight end or something. Some to help little, him out, little but. help, yeah. But nope, that's what they that's where they want to put their chips in the defensive backfield. And I didn't even bother reading this on the air because I don't think it's a story. Um, because I just don't care. Um, I think a lot of attention is made from this for the national media for some reason that I can't comprehend. And, and I saw clips of him failing. They purposely highlighted him on his blocking yeah. technique or lack thereof. I, I saw him try attempt to throw one, and he just kind of did like a barrel roll. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so Tim Tebow was released in the first five cuts by the Jaguars for trying to play a tight end and failing miserably. Well, and it's so funny to me how – he like people just get mad at him. It's so weird. Like I, I, I was very, very tired of the Tebow shit in his first run as a football player, but that wasn't his fault. That's just that's just the media being obsessed with him. But like, media really didn't talk about him at all this time. But people were just really pissed off that he was even invited to camp. And you know, it's like, oh, he's taking a roster spot from somebody. It's like, no, he's not. Were they mad at him for trying to be a baseball player too? Yes, they're like, oh, you know, the Mets. This is all PR, and he's taking somebody's spot. He's it's never like, going to get to the big league, so why bother? That kind of thing. Yeah, it's just a weird. It's a weird dynamic. It's what. It's weird what he brings out of people. And and he's one of those guys. And we talked about it before in some other aspect. Is that he's one of those try hard guys. Yes. Well. And, 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 but are you good? That is the kind of guy that does piss off sports fans, the try-hard guy. And I think, you know, his religious background and just the Mr. Positivity. and it, Squeaky clean, people, Mr. Clean. It, it, it's, in most cases, that stuff just ends up being a little too good to be true. So we're all just skeptical of that, especially in this day and age, which um, most of the time when we're skeptical, we're proven correct <laughs> right. in, in being so. That's but, right. you know... Whatever. Um, he's done. He'll never get another shot in the NFL again. I would again. not think it's, so. It's unfortunate for him that he didn't wasn't willing to make that move 10 years ago when everybody was telling him, dude, you should try it at tie and you're never going to be a quarterback. But I'm not shocked it's a new college coach that knows something about coaching. Yeah, well, and it's his guy. Yeah. Urban Meyer. That, like, okay, I'll give you a shot. Why not? And it, it, and it probably, again... If that's the guy that you're worried about making the roster and he winds up being one of your first five cuts, then I don't think the others are going to be well, right. of consequence who, who, anyway. Whoever's quote-unquote spot he took was going to get cut anyway. Right. He was going to get cut in the first five so just like Tebow did. If, if, if you take a flyer on player 86 through 90, yeah. what do you have to lose? Nothing. 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 So, all right. Uh, are you going to watch any any more preseason this weekend? Are you gonna watch we'll a little? T- are you gonna watch a little, 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 little Trubisky time? I might. We'll see. Just okay. to see how badly he gets booed. But I'll probably mosey on over to the yep. Brewers. All right. Speaking of the Brewers, let's move to them. They are now. Um, I think I read they're now nine games going into tonight mm-hmm. with St. Louis. Um, they're nine games up on Cincinnati in the Central. They uh, beat St. Louis last night. 
they swept the Cubs. They took two they, out of three in they, Pittsburgh. They, they murdered. The they dismantled. Yes. They embarrassed the yes. Cubs. They beat them so badly they cut Arietta the next day. I was talking to the to the owner of Bazinga on Twitter. He's a Cubs guy, and I said something. I can't remember what I said about. I think I just put a hashtag Brewers, and he said Arietta is embarrassing. They should release him tomorrow. They did. And they did. Yeah, they did. And then he got picked up by the Padres, yeah. who what were really what? in need of some guys. I, yeah, there's some desperation there. Two of their starters are are hurt. One's on, on, uh, on the IL. But uh, <laughs> the road trip has been good so far. They have one loss. Yeah, they got their ass kicked on, what, Saturday Pittsburgh. afternoon yeah. against Pittsburgh in that day-night yeah, doubleheader. Yeah, the first but, one. You know, you're not going to – I mean, Jesus, they've owned them this year. Yeah. You're not going to beat them every game, but – um, I was hearing an argument on before we get into it that if the Brewers are in any other division, they're not as good. That now that you have, you know, the Pirates and the Cubs to beat up on, and that's where a majority of your wins are coming from. You put them in the West, and they're maybe the third or fourth best team. Okay, I mean, if you put them in the East, I think they're probably still winning the division. Okay. I mean, they're right. They'd be right up there with Atlanta and Philly. Brewers are good. I and, mean, and that, those arguments to me don't hold any water. Yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 you know, I don't know why you're trying to punch holes in a team that's it, winning their division with one of the best records in baseball. If my aunt had balls; she'd be my uncle. I mean, what difference does it make? It doesn't matter. They're in the central. It just happens to be one of the. It's a down year for the rest of the division. I mean, we knew going into the year Pittsburgh wasn't was going to be try. bad. Most people thought going into the year the Cubs were going to be bad, and then they kind of overperformed a little bit in the first two months. And, and you know, the Brewers, that, that one Brewer series where they got just absolutely dismantled, that kind of was the, the red or the white flag that the Cubs management decided yeah, we're, we're to wave. done, yeah. You know, the Cardinals and the Reds, I think they kind of are what everybody thought they were, about 500. I think the Reds are a little better. St. Louis just got above 500 yeah. last week. And they've been hotter than hell to get there, so... You know, that, that that happens. There's been years where, shit, the Padres, I remember a couple years ago, won the West at 82 and 80. It just it, it just happens that way. But um, the Brewers are good, man. I, it's head-scratching in some ways. We've talked about it all season. You know, I mean, they've had guys, Rowdy Telez, Tyrone Taylor, Jace Peterson, that, you know, I mean, obviously, like, Avi Garcia, two nights in a row, gets hit on the knob of the bat on a swing. I don't know. You probably see that once a year. He did it two nights in a row. He's lucky he didn't break his hand on the second one. He comes out of the game, and Jace Peterson just goes nuts. You know, you you get into a situation, Rowdy Telez comes up, and he's hitting pinch hit homers. It's just been one of those years where every button that they've pushed has worked out pretty much. I mean, I don't even know anybody that I can think of that they've brought over pitcher or hitter that's been bad, you know? Norris hasn't been great so He hasn't far. been great, no. Um, you know, but other than that, no, everything's it's, it's pretty... been pretty much, you know, looking good. And, and you know, I... I some people will, will point to the front office and they will give them the credit. I tend to give the players the credit because if Rowdy Telez isn't hitting, then it's not a good move. Right. You know, if um, – who was the guy they brought over? Uh, Escobar. If, he, if he's not hitting, you're like, well, okay, well, you gave up a lot for that guy. So I, I tend to give the players the credit. I give the Brewers front office the credit in their process of how they're – um, obviously evaluating these guys. But, you know, I, I think a guy like Telez, I think he's pretty good. He was blocked by Vlad Guerrero Jr. in Toronto. You're The guy's a MVP candidate. You're just not going to beat him out. So, um, you know, the Brewers kind of stole him. And, and you know, those are... Those are the kind of things that have to happen if you're going to make a late run in the in the playoffs. You got to have these guys that just kind of come out of nowhere and have a year. Telez seems like one of these other fan favorites. And I don't know if it's just cuz he's a big lovable looking teddy bear of a dude, but it seems like some of these players that have come to Milwaukee after not really finding a lot of success otherwise and now they're on these first place teams and you know, you can put the Bucks in that conversation too. It's that the 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 
the city seems to gravitate towards these guys for one reason or another. And uh, I'm just wondering if a lot of that is that they are really happy to be there and they really do like the fans or the fact that they're finally finding a team where they see some success or is it, is it a combination of both? I think it's both. And I think that, I, I don't know. I, I think in general, the Wisconsin sports fan, we kind of like, um, you know, it's great to have a, a star. It's great to have a Favre or a Rogers or, or a Reggie White or a Giannis or something like that. But Wisconsin sports fans have always kind of respected, like, I don't know if you want to call it like, like a redemption, but maybe uh, these guys that are more like a cast off, like a blue collar guy that's yeah, had to grind. Like, like, uh, we fell in love in 2011 with Niger Morgan. Brewer fans loved Turnbow. Turnbow. I was going to. They that loved up. Axford. These guys that that are kind of out of nowhere, uh, blue collar. You know, there's no, there's no. I mean, there was extra shit with Niger, but with most of these guys, there's no extra shit. They're they're just kind of they're they're grateful for the opportunity. It's like a pet that's been adopted. Kind of. It, it kind like, of is. This is this I mean, is and, cool. And then not only that, but you take a guy like Rowdy Telez, and it's a little bit like Bobby Portis. He's got a chantable name. <laughs> it's Rowdy. Which, and then when you're producing, and it's kind of the know. chicken or the egg thing, it's like the support, does the support from the fan base help the production? Or does or, the support come because you're producing? It's a little bit of both. Um but, you know, the Brewers have had some success with that in the Stearns era of, of picking up, and, and even with the late in the Melvin era too, but finding these guys that are either blocked somewhere or maybe they're, they were hurt um, or they've had a couple of down years. And for whatever reason, they come to Milwaukee and they tend to play really well. And I think that, you know, it probably speaks to the culture as well. I think the Brewers, you know, the guys that are the constants, you know, before it was, you know, Fielder, Braun, Hart, and Hardy, and that crew, Weeks, and now it's, you know, Kane, Yelich, it was Braun, um, you know, uh, some of the some of the guys on the pitching staff. I think they got a good culture. You know, I, I think they have a good time. Everybody really seems to enjoy playing for Council. I think the fact that he's a former player, and he's still from, young-ish. And he's in the and he's area. from here. Yeah. So maybe there's a little bit more passion from him because it's his team he rooted for as a kid. His so community, sure. I think all those things together probably factor in, and it, it, it breeds success for some of these guys. So last I saw before Shaw got sent back to the Red Sox, or picked up by the Red Sox after he was released, that he and Vogelback were both going on the rehab assignments. I haven't heard of... Vogelback since I haven't either. I haven't heard anything about him either, and, and I don't know where you played. Do you bring him I don't back? Know. I, I, I'm not I sure. There's going to be a spot for him. I, right. I, I don't know where you can play. He's only can play one spot. Interleague's over. Um, you know, Telez is really giving you what Vogelback you hoped that he would give you, which is a power left-handed bat, but he's a better first baseman. So. I don't know, man. I mean, it sucked that Shaw got cut. I'm happy for him that he got picked up by a, a good team in Boston and he's going to have a chance to maybe play in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, he was kind of in the same boat. It's like, you know, you've got Telez, you've got Peterson, you've got Escobar. All these guys can play first, and they're all better than Shaw and Vogelbach, in my opinion. So I'm not sure we're going to see him again. What happens in the future with Keston Hira? Uh, I I, I don't know where you're going to – I don't – there's only so many spots. I mean, at the end of the day, there's like, only nine guys on the field. Like we talk about in any sport. Yeah. Who, whose time, are, whose you time taking? are you taking? You know, if, if, if he can come back and hit like he hit two years ago when they brought him up – Then it's hard for you to not play him. Now it's a different story. Right. But, but, you if know, you doing if, this, if he's a 210 hitter that's striking out twice a game, I mean – then I certainly don't need a five foot nine first baseman to do that. I'd rather have a six foot three first baseman that does that. You know, I mean, yeah. not just being oh, honest. That's you know? right. That's coming from a short guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yelich is starting to play better. 
Um, so that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not he's not a towering presence in the lineup, but when you have guys that are producing kind of up and down, and another guy I'm really, really impressed with, and I know you were really skeptical heading into the season, and he turned out to be an all-star, and he's having a really good season, is Omar Narvaez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's he's having a phenomenal well, year. Well, listen, I you know, I give my our boy Joe a lot of shit during the offseason when <laughs> all these um, signings and whatnot happen. And, look, he told me that before the season they believed that he was going to hit Narvaez. They believed that Urias was going to hit. And those guys have hit. Um, I think the best thing that happened, I mean, obviously the best thing that happened to this Adamus. team was the Adamas trade. Yep. I think the best thing that happened to Urias was the Adamas trade. It took the pressure of having to be the infield general off of him and allowed him to play next to a guy who was a vet, who I think he respected, and who had some cachet of being a good player prior. Arcia, you know, he had a couple of moments, but for the most part, he was subpar, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think... Adamus just kind of put everybody in the right spot, and uh, it allowed some of these other guys to relax a little bit. Uh, go to the pitching rotation. Um, a lot of people have talked about who's actually the best guy at the top of the three, and to me, I don't care because any of the dudes, um, Woody Burns and Peralta, they go out there. I mean, Burns right now is playing, is throwing lights out baseball. Um Woody has a tendency to kind of implode once in a while. It's not regularly, you know, it's fairly inconsistent, but you'll get that start where it's like, oh, yeah, Woodruff's having a game, you know. Peralta, I don't think, is at the dominant level, um, but right now I don't know how how do you rank those guys. I put Burns up there number one. Yeah, me and my dad were talking about this this morning. That's why I put it on there because he's – been telling me Burns is the best pitcher on the Brewers. I still lean towards Woodruff, Woodruff okay. because I think he, I trust him the most. I think he's been their most consistent guy. If there was a four-game losing streak and Woody was walking out there on the fifth day, I would feel very, very confident okay. that they were going to win the game. I think Burns might have the most devastating stuff. That's fair. I think when Burns is on... He is dominating, and I think Freddie Peralta can be that. He's the but dude he who's, but he's just he's just a kid. He's just young, and he's the guy who took the no hitter. What were they two outs away yeah, or one out away or whatever of, it yeah, was? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, the other night Burns has the fifteen strikeouts, and he. I mean, and what did he have? He had ten in a, ten row, in a row, and nine of them are swinging. So it's not like he's getting calls. He's just blowing people away. And even Woodruff, I don't know if it was his last start or the start before that, he even admittedly said he didn't have his best stuff, and he still had a decent game by any other pitcher standard. He's just your prototypical horse from Texas. He's like Roger Clemens. He's like Nolan Ryan. He's just a big old dude that throws hard, and he's a tough son of a bitch. And you're you're not going to rattle him. It sucks that they keep pissing away leads for him. Like... He, I think he's only got like five, six wins. His, maybe. his record is not great. He should I have mean, about twelve. Suter's got twelve. That, well, that's why because they keep pissing games away, and then Suter gets the win. And he and he throws to three batters, and and they score, yeah. and, and he gets a win. So and and I get it, and that is why the analytics people will tell you wins don't really matter because of that kind of stuff. And in those cases, that is true. But I mean, look, we've never been able to have this argument before. <laughs> You could have maybe said who's better, Sheets or Sabathia, but we could never go to the third guy, ever, when having this kind of a conversation. So it's very, very nice change to be a Brewer fan to have this kind of starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Oh, and for then, sure. And then you got the Devastator on the back end, who just, I mean, unless you get luckier than shit and make great contact on Hater, the game's over. Mm-hmm. It's over. Yes. So yeah, and and Williams is slowly he's getting back. He's, he's slowly yeah. but surely getting back to his level. And Boxberger's too. been really good. And, yeah, that's you know, weird I mean, because when when it was when it was early and he got put in, he was getting blown up. Yeah, and since then he's been one of their most reliable guys. Yep. You know, I'm I, I still get a little gun shy. You forget when, how fucking when, long when a baseball I see him, season is, though, right? But it's like you can be just a complete train wreck for a month. 
and you still got five months of baseball left. It's, right. it's the season is so long. Um, what did I say? Somebody actually listed their magic number. Oh, earlier and I, well, a little early for that. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's where we're at. So you're, you're you're starting to look at playoffs. I I haven't really looked at it. I'm just taking it. You know, sports cliche. I'm taking it game by game. Still, I mean, this you know the series that that you know you played the Cardinals on the road. Those frighten me. But you got a two nothing win. You know, last night you got two more games to go against them. You got the Nationals uh, coming up with a with a weekend series. So you know, it's I, I'm not looking too far. Down the road, I mean, have you looked at some of the division leaders and where and how this might pan out? A little bit. I I, I think I saw the. I think the Brewers going into this series. I think they played the Cardinals like thirteen more times. Correct. Yes. So, um, that that's going to be something to watch. And it's but, funny because I, I I heard the comments. Light and Burns said it, and Colton Wong said a former Cardinal. He's like, it's kind of cool that probably their playoff uh, future hinges on how many times they have to play us. Yeah, they like that challenge, and I uh, that's awesome to me. Yep. It scares me. It's the only way. It's, yeah, the Cardinals. it's the only way the Cardinals can really catch up is right. to beat the Brewers. Yes. Um, I mean the Giants and the Dodgers. Padres are back there. I think you pretty much know in the NL who's going to be in the mix. I think you know. You know the Brewers are going to win the Central. Um, either the Dodgers or the Giants are going to win the West, mm-hmm. and either the Braves or the Phillies are going to win the East. I, the Mets are fading and fading fast. They've got a brutal stretch. I think Degrom's done for the year, or at least for a while. Um, so now you're just kind of looking at the wild card. It's, I mean, I know San Diego's kind of going through a tough time right now, but they got so much talent. It's hard for me to believe they're not going to get one of the wild cards. Then you start looking at, you know, whoever doesn't win the East. Right. You got Atlanta and Philly that are up there, and then you start and then looking the at the Reds and the Cardinals. Right. So, and, you know, of all those teams, nobody scares me. No, not particularly. I mean, I think people get a little PTSD with the Dodgers. My, my you know, somebody asked me the other day, do I hope the Brewers get the one seed? Um, I don't because I don't want to have to play one of those teams out west right away. I'd, I'd rather have to, even though the the Braves give the Brewers problems, Um. I would rather see a team from the East first. Okay. But all right. Who knows? But out in the AL, things are getting interesting. Um, the wild card is going to be fun in the American League. Oh, my God. You've got the Yankees, the A's, and the Red Sox all with the same, basically the same record. I mean, Boston's got one more win and one more loss than the other two. Um, they're going to be dogfighting it out. You've got Toronto and Seattle that are only four back. They're in, they're, they're in striking distance. I mean, Toronto's in fourth place in their own division, and they're eight games over five hundred. So that tells you how good the AL East is. But, um, you know, Tampa's good. White Sox are really good. Um, the A's, or who, who's winning out West? Um, Houston. Houston's very good, again, especially um, when they cheat. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, MLB's got a good thing going here down the stretch. I think there's going to be some pretty fun baseball the last six weeks. All right, um... I don't know whether I watched the highlight once this morning after I heard about it with the A's and the White Sox and the A's guy taking one right off oh. the dome, and I didn't even know one need to watch it again. Yeah, I mean I watched it a couple times because you couldn't see much, but you knew he got hit in the head that's and then he just he went down to. and yes. covered his head. But man, it's that's one of those things. It's like I don't know how that doesn't happen more. It's like I don't know how these guys in the NBA don't roll their ankles like all the time. Right. I don't know how these pitchers don't get hit all the time. I, I talked about it this morning in the commentary, having witnessed some of this, even in slow pitch softball, where the where the bat technology is so, and they're using wood bats in Major League Baseball, but the exit velocity is still ridiculous. Yeah, you know, you're throwing it at me 100 miles an hour, I'm gonna hit it back at you more. Right, right. Are you ready for it as much as I am? You, because I bet not. No. Well, you're in an awkward position. Right, and and you're and you're a couple of steps towards me. Yes, and you have to immediately look. Defensively, because if you don't, you're going to get dotted. Man. I mean, I've I've seen multiple guys on the diamond get hit in the head. Well, it's never good. And I heard your commentary. You talked about the potential of pitchers at some point wearing a face mask or a helmet. Never will happen. It will never happen. I just don't think that the players will ever. The I don't think it'll ever. I'm just get wondering. Agreed upon in specific cases, if a guy says, "Hey, 
I want to protect well, my grill. If you or, want to be like John Olerud, right. remember him back in yes. the day, he couldn't get hit in the head, he wore one in the field. I mean, because you see some of these at some high school girls' softball games now, they're not wearing full helmets. But they but got the but, mask. But they have a face cage on. Right. And, and that's not cumbersome or anything like that. You can still see. Just but I'm keeps you from just, taking a bad hop in the right. shops. So if one yeah. of those guys wants to say, I really don't want to catch one in the grill because I already have... Maybe you start to see some of that. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm, but I'm not, I don't. I don't think no, it'll ever be like mandated. A, not no. like we're like the base coaches now no. have to wear helmets. I don't think we'll ever get to that. All right. Um, the the Trevor Bauer stuff. I am not following. Oh, I see. So I weird. see the headlines. It's like one of the weirdest stories. Um, we we're, we're getting short on time. We won't get too into it. But I'm not sure that dude ever pitches again. No. This some of the details I've read are ugly. Ugly. But again, you know, and th- but this, you know, this is more of a societal thing. But like, hey, little girl, why are you chasing these guys on Instagram and meeting up with them for a sex session? I mean, it doesn't excuse anything that happened after that. But come on, come on. Nope, that's uh, that's probably have a, convers- a little self respect conversation a dad would not want to have with his girl as she gets older. I'm sure. Um. All right, let's go to the NBA. Um, like you mentioned, we, we're, we're running a little short on time, so we'll, we'll buzz through this. We'll, we'll get through this. The Bucs, They had a partial schedule release. The Bucks are going to be one of five Christmas Day games. I think it's a one thirty tip. They're going to mm-hmm. play the Celtics, and then they open after they get their rings with the semifinal in the Eastern Conference rematch against the Brooklyn Nets. Two pretty good games already on their schedule. Yeah, that that opening night is going to be an awesome, awesome game to go to. I, I'm planning on going. Are you going? I'm awesome. planning on it. Okay. I'm, I'm going to have to get myself a couple tickets, but I'm planning on going. The Nets are going to be out for blood. They're going to want to oh, yeah. get a little bit of revenge and start off the season well. Ring night is traditionally not good for the team that gets their rings, especially in the last <laughs> few years. They're minding on the they're, game. They're, they're, it's not. You're, it's kind of the end of your party. Right. You know, you've been partying oh, since, we, the, since the title. This is kind of the culmination. Now we got to get serious. Now, now, Okay, after tonight, okay, the next 81 games, we're all in. That's fair. All right, um, so, so so you're allowed a mulligan. Yeah, there. I all think right. so. Okay. I mean, shit, why not? Especially a team like the Bucks. What are the chances you're going to repeat? No. Probably not good. Um, but yeah, Christmas Day: Hawks at Knicks, Celtics at Bucks, Suns at Warriors, Nets at Lakers. Of course, Mavs at Jazz uh, is the nightcap. I found it a little interesting. No Clippers, no Philly, no Miami, and no Denver. It's like the first time since they've been doing the Christmas thing that the reigning MVP will not play on Christmas, uh, hmm. being being uh, Jokic on the Nuggets. So, um, yeah, uh, when I originally saw the Christmas Day schedule, they only released a couple of games, and I didn't see the Bucks. No, I saw a headline that Bucks are shut out of. Yeah, but a lot of I'm, people were flipping out, but yeah. I was just like, no, they'll they'll play. They're they're okay. the defending champs. They'll play. I thought they'd actually play Philly. Okay, I was a little surprised that it ends up being Boston, but. That, that's that's been a nice rivalry the last couple of years, so that'll be a fun one. Um, Joel Embiid, big extension for yeah, him, four years, is. 196 million. Um, be interesting to see what ends up happening there. I still think they're going to try to trade Ben Simmons. Um, Bucks made a, a small trade, which uh, pissed off pretty much every uh, basketball fan in the state of Wisconsin. They traded uh, Sam Merrill to Memphis for Grayson Allen. Uh, most people remember Grayson Allen for two things. Uh, he likes to trip people, and he also is the guy who basically cost the Badgers a national championship in 2014. So I'm a big fan. I was just going to say, um, well, obviously no, for that reason, uh, no, but, but from a basketball standpoint, what does he do for the good, team? It's a good trade. Okay. Uh, Sam Merrill was um, the second-round pick last year. He wasn't going to be in their long-term plans. He's already 25 which is actually the same age as Grayson Allen. Um, Merrill was a he went on like a two year mission when he oh, was in college, sure. so okay. he's a little bit older. Um, so yeah, I I look at Grayson Allen as a little bit um, like Pat Connaughton. He's he's kind of that kind of player in the NBA. He's going to hit some threes. He's a hustle guy. He's going to play defense. Um, so he's definitely an upgrade on their bench. Forty percent three point shooter, good athlete. So uh, I like it. Okay. Um, our boy Eric Bledsoe, going home, going back to LA, yep. where he where he started where he his career. Drafted, yep. um, traded for the second time this offseason. He went from 
uh, New Orleans to Memphis, and now Memphis to the Clippers. And I saw Memphis just freed up some more salary, so they're dumping a lot of money. Are they? Is this an anticipation of trying to go get some guys in a year? Like, what are we? Like, what's going well, on there? You're you're getting up now where you got to start thinking about having to pay John Morant. Okay. You know he's played two years now. He's halfway through his first rookie deal. He'll be eligible for an extension, I believe, at the end of this season. That's the one that Trey Young just signed with the Hawks. The yes. ro- the, the the rookie. Yep, the rookie super, the extension the rookie supermax. Supermax, okay. Basically, yeah. So yeah, they got to pay him. They got Jaron Jackson Jr., who they got to make a decision on who's going to get paid as well. So you know that's that's kind of the thing in the NBA. It's kind of the way the salary structures work. You got to you, you draft these guys. You got about a two year window. And then you kind of got to clean house and, and make some room to pay him. All right. So. Um, have you bought Giannis's book? Yes. And have you read it? I am about three quarters of the way through. Okay. And uh, it's very good. Talks a lot about his life growing up in Greece. Um, I did not have any idea how racist Greece is. Really. Um. I think when people read this book, it'll put our things in a little bit more perspective. Okay. Um, but you know, the big takeaway from it, I don't I'm not gonna give any spoilers or anything. Giannis is just a pretty special dude. I'd like to read it after you if you yeah, wouldn't mind. I, I'll give it to okay. you. Uh he's a pretty special dude. I mean there's been a couple of times reading the book where it's, you know you almost get a little teary eyed just kind of reading some of this stuff about okay. um his family and the things that they went through. I mean the the one thing I will say when he was in, I think it was when he was going to enter the draft, he had to get a physical. He'd never had a physical before. Really? And they took him to get a physical, and the doctor thought when he saw the x-rays and everything that it was a 70-year-old man. No way. Because he was so malnourished. Um, Yeah, like his liver wasn't growing it wasn't functioning properly holy crap it talks about when he comes to the bucks like he would you know i mean it's a professional sports team they got food all over the place he's like shoving it in his pockets and shit and guys are looking at him like what are you doing the dude didn't eat and he doesn't know he literally wasn't doesn't, eating and he doesn't know if he's gonna get another right. meal because of what he's just come from right so it's well it makes me appreciate that cool. chick-fil-a trip a little bit more for sure for sure <laughs> But uh, it's it's been a good book. I'm anxious to finish it. I'll All let right. you read it when yeah. I'm done. But yeah, he's I'd, a I'd be interested in that. Pretty special dude. All right, we uh, we got a couple of minutes left before I got to head out for an interview. So we'll uh, that's some high school stuff. So we'll end on some high school stuff. I saw you tweet about this. Was it last week? I yeah. think, or was yeah. it over the well, weekend? Week, week and a half, something yeah. like that. Yeah. They are now instituting a high school basketball shot clock in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Starting this coming next year, so not, not so this winter year, of twenty twenty two. Yes, and I'm so sure they got to get them all installed. Everybody's got to have funding, yeah, and they yeah. got to find guys to work it. Which is the two things that we have heard about why this won't work at the smaller schools in the northern tier of the state mm-hmm. that have so many problems finding people to do anything to begin with, and and funding is a problem. So. Uh, I I didn't read up about it. I just saw your tweet, and and you just you kind of did the whole. Why isn't this going to work here again? Because right. other places are finding ways to do it, right? And why can't we find solutions rather than just identify them, uh, identify problems, and just throw up our hands and say sorry? Well, eventually it's going to have to happen because otherwise the kids here in the state are going to fall behind. Um, but. I heard a really interesting conversation about this. Uh, there's a there's a podcast I listen to on the Ringer. It's called The Mismatch. Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon um, do that, and um, they were talking about Iowa instituting the shot clock. And they were it kind of tied in with they were talking about uh, international basketball, watching the Olympics, and how how different it is um, from the way we play here. And you know, one of the one of the misconceptions that's been going on for the last couple of years uh, has been that the Europeans are, have caught up to us because they do so much more skill development. Okay. Um, one of these Spurs coaches, I think his name's like Ettore Messina, something like that. He's like one of the most famous European coaches ever, and he's now on Popovich's staff. He said, actually, that's that's a fallacy. We actually do more skill work here than they do in Europe um, because of all of the um, individual um, 
coaching that these kids are now doing at a younger age, they're not doing it to that extent in Europe. Okay. Um, Fran Fischilla, yep, who's been a longtime ESPN announcer, he's also one of the top international basketball authorities on the planet. He said the biggest difference between European basketball and American basketball right now is the shot clock and that they start using a shot clock at a very young age over there, like 10 years old. Really? And we don't even incorporate it in America until college. Right. And he said one of the things that it does for these kids is it forces them at a younger age to have to make quicker decisions. I was just going to say, it's got to put you to a decision. And it also forces you as an individual player to work on your individual game. So if you get the ball with three on four seconds on the shot clock, you have to do something. You yourself. Have to, you have to go into your bag. Right. Do you you know, whether it's your crossover move, your step back move, a power move in the post, drawn and kicking to somebody, whatever it is, it forces these younger kids to have to develop these skills. Then by the time they get to be late teenagers, early twenties, this stuff you don't even know you don't even notice it. You don't even really pay attention to the shot clock. I can remember my first year uh in college, having a shot clock was very strange. Very strange. Um, by the time I was leaving college, you didn't even notice it. Most of the time, and that's the thing with the shot clock, too, is like most of the time it's not that big of a factor, but it does speed the game up. Is it just because you've already run through your offensive most stuff of time, and it will produce an yeah, opening for somebody yeah. to shoot? And with the way the game is played now, in most cases, with teams just kind of running down and chucking in a lot, I mean, you know, we watch it all winter. Um, it, it's not a factor. Where it becomes a factor with what we see is in the tournament. When a team gets up seven with four minutes to go in a tournament game and they stall, that's crap to me. I've always thought that's crap. Um, and we see it in regular season we, we, games. We have a couple teams that we cover that, yeah, like special, specifically the Verona girls, um, you know, and they're one of the best coach teams in the state, and they've decided that. They just want to win. They're good. They just want to win. They're, the rule says that you can do it. We're going to do it. Um, the cost and who's going to man it, I, I don't want to hear that excuse. Um, there's money. There's money for tons of things. You know, I mean, they're constantly raising taxes on us. This is a one-time, very, very small fee. Um you know, some of the schools, maybe up north or in the inner city, you don't have to get that fancy with it. You can get a portable one. You can put it on a freaking card table and set it in the corner just so everybody can see it. It doesn't have to be mounted on top of the hoop like it's a professional thing. Um, it doesn't have to be incorporated into the shot clock that's on, or the, the game clock and scoreboard that's on your wall. There's ways to do it. I think getting somebody to man that would be extremely easy. I think you could get a kid to do it. I think you could get an old person to do it. I, I do not. I just don't buy that excuse. So hopefully it's something that we see sooner than later. Um, and I think we will because as other states incorporate it, we're going to start looking around going, okay, it's time. We're going to be the last, yeah. you know, uh, animal at the trough. Yeah. You know, like, I oh. think I think Illinois has one. Does Minnesota? I don't know. Okay. But. Obviously, I was getting. One, I don't know so. if Illinois does because we cover Illinois basketball on, on one of the stations. Okay, I'll, well, maybe I'll, they don't. I'm I'll, not sure. I'll but ask. I'll ask our dude who does the games. It's becoming more prevalent. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think in the long run, I think it will be good for for the game and for everybody. Um, of course, and it'll it'll definitely benefit the kids that go on to play in college mm -hmm. for sure. All right. So where where are we at with our last point? We got about uh, well, a minute or a, two. This is a little tongue in cheek, and okay. this, this is for. I mean, I could sense it. Yeah, this is you know for for our boy Bradison, who may or may not listen to this. I have no idea, <laughs> but you know, stop I, sending I, me memes. I follow. Please. I follow a lot of the high school stuff on on social media. Sure. Um, like, is every kid in Wisconsin just awesome? Because all I ever see from everybody is how great everybody is. 
If this person doesn't get uh, such and such an offer, then I don't know well, anything and, anymore. And it's just like somebody will throw up a highlight of an AAU game and a girl will make three threes and they're like, best shooter in the state, one of the best shooters in the Midwest, just unbelievable work ethic. Oh, my God, it's just a great – it's like calm down, folks. Chances are she's probably going to play at Carroll, and she's going to go there for two years, and she's going to decide, I just want to be a nurse. I'm done. Or it's going to be some dude that's going to go to Point, and he's going to find out, wow, this is actually a lot more difficult than I thought it would be playing D3. Especially when I want to be an engineer. And I want to be an engineer. Screw it. Just relax. Stop. No, you don't have to rank everybody. Yeah. Well, just, that, just let these kids play. What they do, though, the, guy, the people that cover this stuff, they need to drives you know, me crazy. Prop up their it's like product. This guy is the seventh rated shooting guard in the class of twenty twenty three in Wisconsin. <laughs> like he's fourteen. <laughs> he might grow a foot, and maybe he's not a shooting. He might never grow again. He might get fat. Stop ranking these kids. <laughs> drives me crazy. <laughs> I couldn't tell. Oh. I couldn't tell. That's, that's I just a, see, It's like it, it, me and Bear were talking about I don't mean to throw Bear under the bus, but me and Bear were talking about it a couple weeks ago. Like, enough with the signing day. Yeah. You don't sign anything to go to fucking Whitewater. The only thing you're signing is the is your freaking meal plan and what dorm you're living in. <laughs> there ain't no signing day. Stop. This is just where I'm going to school. Stop. That's all I got to do. Yep. So and so has signed has signed a national letter of intent to swim at Eau Claire. No, they didn't. There is no signing of an intent letter to go there. All you got to do is enroll and say, "I would like to try out for this sport." Thank you. <laughs> signing my letter to play junior college softball. Now, what? Now we're talking. Come on. That is the intentional foul for this week. I think it's a good place to end. We will uh, be on another two week break. Last week of umpiring and uh, and softball next week, and then we can maybe uh, go to the early portion of the week when yeah. Monday and Tuesday open up because i got to do coaches' interviews on Wednesday and Thursday with uh, high school football. Yeah, so. it'd be nice to get back on the Tuesday yeah, slot after, I think you know, so. after the football week sure. and stuff. So. All right, so uh, we appreciate you listening, as always. Thank you for downloading and subscribing. Do that if you will. And uh, until next time, I'm Josh. I'm Dan. And we will talk to you down the road. Go Brew Crew!